Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Good Friday, everyone. I like what you said, Brad. Good Redemption Friday. Redemption Good Friday. I don't know. You guys look cool in your masks. It's great. I like it. And there's a couple of black ones out there, back masks like that one. Jaden, yours looks good, like the Lone Ranger. I like it. Um, <clears throat> uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Josiah. Um, I'm married to Zoe, who you may know as the sweet voice behind the church news, um, or as Paul and Michelle's daughter. Um, and we go to the Night Church congregation here at Rochdale. Uh, today, I'm really praying that the message that I bring forward to you would just make Jesus even more worthy in your heart. That as you listen to it, you'd be like, wow, that's, that's my God, that's my King. I want to give Him everything that I have. I want to lay down my crown for Him. Um, so, uh, the very first thing that I'm going to talk about is the, the title of my message is, Is He Worthy? Not in the sense that we're going to like question if He's worthy. I promise at the end we'll find out that He is. But what is like the proper response to have to someone who has done everything that he has done? That's what we're talking about today. What is he worth? Um, I've been thinking about this word worthy a lot in the last couple of weeks as I'm preparing this message. Um, and it made me realize that I don't think I've ever really used the word worthy outside of church. Well, not very often. Uh, so I used to be a year seven English teacher. So I'm going to do one of the activities that I do with the year sevens. I'm introducing a new word. It's worthy. I want to hear from you guys. Let's put that into a sentence that's not like church related. How can you use the word worthy outside of church? So if you want to, <laughs> this is like my teacher skills, talk to the person next to you for the next 30 seconds, come up with some ideas, and then we'll hear back as a class to see what you guys have to say. So you've got 30 seconds, your time starts now. Sentence that uses the word worthy. All right, here's your 15 second warning, and then I want to hear from you guys. What is it? That would be so nice. Brad just said that Richmond is worthy of a fourth premiership in five years. Man, that made me so happy. Or Storm would have like their hundredth in the last, <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, let's hear it. Um, what have you guys said? Call out through your mask. I don't think you can take it off, unfortunately. Do we, have we got any? Any, any worthy sentences down there? I noticed that little nudge. What have you got? Oh, don't buy that car. It's not worthy. Yeah, it's like uh, the car is like not worth the value that you put on it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Let's do two more. Up the back there, kids. Yes. Ooh, good one. Anyone, anyone got any answers? Is Bitcoin worthy of it? No, no, no one. All right. And last one up the back there. Yes. Every single time. Uh, for those who didn't hear, she said, I'm a year seven teacher. Can you put worthy into a sentence? <laughs> Man, that's my waking nightmare right there. Um, okay, so uh, we've got these ideas that Richmond is worth. Their value is four premierships in five years. Hallelujah. Uh, the value of the car is, uh, is it's not worth it. So it doesn't have the right value. And up the back, is Bitcoin worth your time, worth your money, worth your energy? So yeah, we've all got this idea that worthy actually is to do with value. So if something is worth it, it's worth a significant amount of value. Let's just go on um, to a parable that's in the book of Matthew, one or two sentences long, very quick. It's up on the board for you, Matthew 13, 44. I'm going to summarize it. Uh, in this parable, uh, a man walks into a field 
and he notices that like buried in the field is this, uh, is this marvelous, marvelous treasure. And this man is so happy that he runs off, he collects all that he has, and then he goes to the person who owns the field and says, I want to buy your field. And so he buys the field and he now has his treasure, but the price he had to pay for it was his entire life. Everything he had was the value he's worth putting down for this treasure that's in the field. So it makes you think. Um, it makes you think, what would you have to find in a field to go away, to take everything that you had just so you can buy this treasure? I think it's a really interesting parable. Uh, and it ties into what I'm talking about today. Uh, my wife designed this, this picture. Um, I think it's really cool. I actually had, it's a cool story. I was driving home, I was um, thinking about my sermon, and like, what would be a really cool design? It's like a bunch of crowns, and then another crown on top. And I go home, and I kid you not, Zoe shows me the design, and that's exactly what I had in mind. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, what it represents, it's all the elders in the book of Revelation, which we talk about in a second, laying down their crowns at the foot of Jesus and saying, actually, I'm giving up my own rulership of my life and I'm giving it over to you. Um, so we're actually going to get to that. Just checking my notes to see that I've talked about everything I need to talk about at this point. Yep, let's start reading the Bible. Um, so this is a really cool passage. starts in Revelations 4. We're going to go through to Revelations 5, so if you want to follow along. Revelations 4, 9 to 11. Uh, whenever the living creatures, which are uh, angels in this case, they explained them a little bit earlier, they're pretty strange looking angels. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. So already in this first passage that we're looking at, this one, this is just a quick note just for free, that um, Jesus is worthy of all glory and honor and power because he is the one who created everything that we see. It says in John that uh, through the word, the whole world had its being. Um, so it's just really cool that Jesus is the creator of the world and the creator of every good thing. And that's one reason why he is worthy of all everything that we have. But we're going to keep going through to the next chapter, 5, 1 through to 6. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, we sang about that today, with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 12, which is the song that they sing for the Lamb. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. It's a really, really cool little story that we got there. It's kind of uh, the culmination of the whole Bible. The whole Bible is leading up to this point where you see the Lamb of God enthroned and receiving all power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory, and praise. 
So if we had to figuratively go back to our field and you walk into that field and you see a lamb that has been slain, this lamb that has been slain, the price you would have to pay for this lamb is all power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. That's what he's worth. That's what he's worthy of. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm actually just going to break down this passage and we're going to talk about why is he worthy? What has he done? What does this story mean? Uh, we'll just recap it real quick. We've got... Um, uh, there's all these angels, four angels, and then all of God's people singing together in a room. And then there's this scroll that no one can open. Um, and then John, he starts to cry. John is the guy who wrote Revelation, starts to cry because no one is worthy to open the scroll. And then it's revealed that the one who can open the scroll, he says, look, it's the Lion of Judah. He goes expecting to see a mighty lion, but instead he sees a lamb that had been slain. So that's the story that we've got. Um, so we're just going to unpack what that means and talk about some reasons why Jesus is worthy of it all. Uh, so the first reason, uh, the lamb that was slain defeated the powers of sin and of death. So we sang that in the song uh, before. It's a really great song. I just want to say thanks to the worship team for leading us so beautifully. Um, the song, Is He Worthy? It said, do you feel that the world is broken? And do you feel the shadows deepen? And do you wish that it could all be made new again? I think uh, we could all agree that when we look out into our world, that we see that things aren't the way that they should be, that there's, we've got brothers fighting against brothers, nation against nation, we've got mankind destroying the good creation, and even in ourselves, sometimes we lie, sometimes we steal, sometimes we uh, try to bring others down, things aren't right with this world, and what the Bible calls that is sin, which is just a word that means we're falling short of the perfect plan of what God wants for us. Um, and so that's why the book... Uh, and then sin, when it's fully revealed, it says in James, sin when it's fully grown leads to death. That's the natural outcome of sin. So the decay that we see in creation is all due to this sin that is inside all of us. Um, and then in Revelation, that's why John's crying, because he looks out into the world and he says, actually, you know, this world, it's, it's not the way that it should be. And there's no one who is worthy to open this scroll. And what the scroll represents in the story is actually God's plan for how he's going to fix the world. But there's no one in all the world who is worthy enough to open the scroll. Only one who is perfect, who had never committed any sins, could open that scroll and enact the plan to save God's world. And if you read on in the book of Revelation, God's plan is that sin and death would become even more stronger in our world. But eventually, someone would come and they would conquer it. So we want that person. The whole Bible is waiting for that person who's going to fix this problem of sin and death in the world. And then John turns and he expects to see a mighty lion who's going to conquer all the problems of the world, but instead he sees a lamb that had been slain. And so this is where Jesus comes into our story. It says in the Bible that uh, God himself was born as a man, born as a baby. He lived his entire life, never committing any sin living the perfect life, but still, he was taken in the middle of the night by his captors, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was scorned, he was spat on, um, they dragged him up to a hill, and they lifted him up, exalted him by crucifying him, putting nails through his hands and through his feet, um, and people would, yeah, walk past and they'd laugh at him, and his captors divided his clothes amongst themselves, uh, it's the worst death probably that's ever that someone has ever died, and that was the Son of God. And it's in this moment you see that 
it seems like all the worst things, all the sin that has ever happened in all of history happened to Jesus. And that night, the person who didn't deserve it was the one who felt the full force of it. And it says in the Bible, as we read before, that the sky went dark. And imagine that all of the sin that has ever happened, all of your sin, is just descending onto Jesus in that moment. And it rests on him. And it says in that moment, it says in uh, Romans 8, that Jesus conde- uh, um, God condemns sin in the flesh of the Messiah. And he dies. And he takes down all the sin of the world with him. But to show that he had power over sin and death, three days later, he rose again. So that sin that leads to death, he actually showed that he had power over it and he could rise again. And that fact is just so remarkable that the Son of God, who lived the perfect life, died in our place with all the sin in the world, rose again to show that he has power over death. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, um, and I, I think like I can hear... Like people saying, it's the own voice in my head saying, but you know, there's still sin and death in the world. Did he really conquer it? I think you'd have to look into the resurrection yourself and to see if Jesus rose again, that shows that he does have power over death. And it says in the Bible that if we, uh, it says in the Bible that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so if we turn and believe in him, like it says in everyone's favorite Bible verse, John three sixteen, if we just believe in him, we will not perish, but we will also have eternal life. Um, so that just leads to my, my question. Uh, we're talking about, is he worthy? If you met the person who had conquered sin and death and rose again to show that he is, has power over sin and over death, what would you give to that person? If you found him in that field, like we said at the start, what would you give over to him? What is he worth to you? The next reason why this passage is talking about why Jesus is worthy. Uh, And Brad wonderfully put it before. um, The lamb that was slain has forgiven us for all of our sins. And I'm going to do a bit of emotional whiplash and go from the story of history of Jesus defeating death to my one really trivial story that I have. Um, I think every good sermon needs a good anecdote. But I was hanging out with some friends a couple months ago at South Bank. Um, It was a Thursday night. The sun was shining. I was pretty happy. I go down to Dock Street. I don't know if that's where you guys park when you go to South Bank, but I go to Dock Street down by the river. I get out of my car. I go up to the, um, what's it called, the parking meter, and I put in my number plate, and I'm putting it in, and I'm like, yeah, I think that's it, and I walk off. I put in the maximum amount of time so that there's no way that I'm going to get a ticket. Um, it was like $9 or something. It's pretty expensive, but, you know, it's all good. Um, and I go off, have a great time, and I come back later, and I'm walking up to my car, and I see a little white ticket that's sticking out of my um, windscreen wipers. And I go up, I look at it, $133.45 I have to pay. And I realize in that moment that I made a huge mistake, and I hadn't put my number plate in correctly, and I'd swapped the letters and the numbers around the wrong way. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. So the next day, I'm on the phone for about an hour, just waiting on the call line with Brisbane City Council, waiting. And eventually, they're like, actually, you've got to fill out an online form. I'm like, oh, great. And so I hang up, and I do this online form. I have to like prove that I like paid the bank statement, all this stuff. I, I'm not believing that. I'm actually going to make it happen, but I'm like, it's worth a shot. I've got 28 days to pay the fine. Um, and it gets to day 27. I'm driving home from work. I'm like, you know what? I think I just got to like own this mistake. Um, I just got to pay it. I got to pay that fine. 
and I get home and there's a letter for me from the Brisbane City Council. I open it, the first line says, it is the responsibility of the driver to make sure that all details are correctly inputted into the parking meter. I'm like, ah, great, it's like rubbing salt in the wound. It's like, ah, fine, okay. And I get to the end and it says, your parking fee has been absolved. And yeah, like that's the reaction I had. <laughs> Inside myself, I was like, wow, I'm free. I don't have to pay this fine anymore. And it made me think in that moment that, geez, that's the price. You know, imagine all of your sins that you've ever committed, just gone, absolved, as if they've never happened. And it made me realize that that's why in Revelation he's revealed as a lamb because that's, uh, if you came last night and Chris Bell wonderfully put it, the lamb would take all of the sins of all of Israel and the lamb would die and it would be as if the sins had never happened at all. And that moment to know just that small mistake that I made had been completely washed free and I didn't have to pay the fine. To know that everything that I'd ever done wrong was put onto Jesus and he took that instead and now it's gone. This is such an amazing, it's just so wonderful to know that everything you've ever done wrong is just gone as long as you confess and you believe in him. Um, so what would you throw, would you throw down all of your crowns for the one who has erased all of your sins? Would you give up your right to rule your life and say, Jesus, no, you are my king and I'm going to follow you? Is that the price that you'd pay for someone who erased everything you've ever done wrong? And uh, Chris put this great verse in last night. I said to her that I'm just going to steal everything she said. But this is, uh, I guess, what she stole from the Bible. And this is John 5, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears uh, my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. And that kind of like summarizes everything that I've said so far. No longer are we under the power of death and no longer are we under the power of sin. They've both been defeated and wiped away as if they never happened. That's an amazing thing. What are we going to lay down to the person who has done that for us? So uh, let's just summarize. We've got those two reasons. The lamb that was slain to feed the powers of sin and death, and the lamb that was slain has forgiven us for all of those sins. That's just it's so remarkable what he's done. This is, this is a good Friday just to remember what he's done. Um, so what is he worth to you? is the question that I'm going to put forward. Knowing what he's done, um, and we see like the angel singing, he is worthy of all glory and honor and power and might and all blessing. Is he worth that to you? I know that he's worth that to me. Um, and I just want to just finish with a couple closing thoughts about how this could look into your life. It says in the Bible that um, Jesus says, You've got to take up your cross and follow him, which is a really uh, challenging call, I think, considering what the cross meant to him. And, um, and you've also got like this image of the elders laying down their own right to rule, their own rulership and saying, no, I'm going to follow you now. And I think it's really cool. The word like pistis, is, which is the word for faith in the Bible, has like an undertone of loyalty. It's like what soldiers would say to their commander. So it's this idea that you're like kneeling down before Jesus and saying, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live the way that you want to live. And he says, Jesus says in John, uh, just before he dies to his, to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And my command is this, that you will love one another. Um, and there's a poem that I've been thinking about every single day since I heard it last year. And in this poem, 
there's a man uh, and he's at the foot of the cross and he's looking up at Jesus and he says, Lord, why did you have to die? And Jesus says, if I did not die, you cannot live. And I think that's uh, very profound. And the challenge of the cross is, what is our response to this? So as we go into communion, I just encourage you, everyone here just to think, what is the price that I'm willing to pay? What crown am I willing to lay down to follow the one who has given everything for me? And just one final thought that I'd love us to think about as we go into a time of communion as well. Let's go back to our um, original parable that we talked about, the parable of the field, where a man walks into a field, finds a treasure, and gives his whole life to buy this treasure. Imagine that instead God himself walks into that field and he finds a treasure and the price he's willing to pay is to lay down his whole life for this treasure and the bible says that that treasure is you so i'm just going to pray and then i'm going to invite paul up to give the communion so if we could all just uh, bow our heads close our eyes dear heavenly father thank you for this incredible word uh, that you've given us in revelation that you are the lamb who was slain that you are worthy of everything god and that you are the one who is going to put the whole world right. And you are the one who conquered death. And you are the one who has erased all of our failures. And you are the one who did that all for us, laying down your life for us. And I just pray that the reality of this word would just change us. And we would give you what you are worth. I just pray for just a holy understanding of who you are. And again, just thank you for everything that you have done for us. In your name, amen.